This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I ring in the new year with our exciting New Year's resolutions, recap some of the recent neutral interlude episodes, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in The Zone of Truth. Should old acquaintances be forgot? And we're back. (laughs) We're back after a long hiatus. Yes, we have not recorded together for a very long time. It is a new year when this episode drops. But right now, that was probably our longest hiatus in 2021. (laughs) I think you're probably right because we haven't recorded all week. We didn't record all last week. We recorded... Sometime the week before that, I guess. I haven't been in your house in like two weeks. Yeah. It's crazy. It's weird. Unnatural. <laughs> Some would say unnatural. I would say unnatural. It's beyond science. Oh, how are you doing today, Griff? Doing well. Great. What are you drinking? Well, I, I brought us some stuff from back home. Ooh. And while I do have plenty of beers that I brought from home, <laughs> I thought since we're not doing a 12 seltzers of Christmas anymore. Mm-hmm. I found these tall, bo- tall boy bang mixes. Wow. And they're flavors that aren't in the variety pack. So a special treat indeed. Yeah. I've got the mango bango flavor of hard seltzer. So, I mean, and that falls right in the traditional bang. Amazing names. I've got a lemon drop. Let me give this a shot here. Oh, let me tell you, brother. Yeah. That man, that's, Probably the best mango. That mango be mango. Mm-hmm. Let me try that lemon drop. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Man, their seltzer game is top notch. I don't get it. I, don't I, miss. I, Doesn't miss. Some of their energy drinks have been a miss for me, but mm-hmm. usually that's when they try and make like a big good. Ooh, on that note, over the break, I was back in Chicago. And Chicago has access to some bang flavors that aren't traditionally available here, which oh really pretty crazy. They had the coffee birthday cake. Now birthday cake, zero out of four on the bang bus. Terrible flavor. Coffee, maybe a two. <laughs> it redeemed the flavor a little bit, but I wasn't getting a lot of birthday cake, so you know it is what it is. But you know Griffin. I came in hot with the New Year's Eve thing, and you know what? I'm just going to pull back the curtain a little bit. New Year's Eve for us is tomorrow. We're getting ready to party. We're going to have a good time. We always ring it in big, and we're probably going to drink a little booze tomorrow, if I were to guess you would say so. Yeah, probably. Okay. Well, when you're getting ready to drink, you want to hydrate, right? Mm -hmm. And to hydrate, you don't drink booze, right? Not usually. Not usually. Well, I was, I've got a surprise for you, Griffin. Uh-oh. You got these bang mixes. I've got not booze, but vooze. What? Bang vooze. No way. Yeah way. What is this? Okay. It's, all right. So this is not from Chicago. I found this in the local Kroger. Bang vooze spelled V-O-O-Z. Hydration sensation. Contains no fruit juice. All right. So I've just pulled out. They are tall boys. Caffeine free. What is this? It's their hydration drink. 
I think this is their like Gatorade competitor or something, maybe. The visionaries at Bang Energy are excited to bring you the all-new and cutting-edge Vooz hydration sensation infused with four specialized electrolytes called Ketolites. <laughs> the refreshing and delicious Vooz alternative transcends sports hydration with four fuel energy technology. Furthermore, patent-pending Vooz is an osmotically optimized and powered by a critical osmolite and the and immune-boosting <laughs> ingredients zinc and vitamin D3. Vibe with Vooze. Hydration sensation. So there are an exceeding amount of trademarks in what you just said. Yeah. Vooze yeah. trademark. Hydration <laughs> sensation trademark. Keto light trademark. Fourth fuel, fuel trademark. <laughs> Osmioality optimized <laughs> trademarked. <laughs> amazing <laughs> you got me the blackberry blitz yes i gotta i gotta get into this all right so before you do you got a choice here well actually we we're gonna we're both gonna try both of them yeah blackberry blitz and then the one that i'm hanging on to raging raspberry hibiscus Ooh. at home griffin i have wild and watermelon and blue ras okay yes and you'll never guess where i found these these were Still in a giant package. They're Lucy's, like single cans, but uh -huh. in like the cardboard box that was just where the Gatorade should be. There's, <laughs> I don't know how much these cost because there was no display price. And I didn't look at the receipt. One thing, I'm not sure if they're, if it's carbonated. I, I don't think it's it not. is. But the flavor is pretty good yeah. on mine. You know what? I like that too. Let's uh, let's do a little switcheroo. Oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah, you know I what? like the hibiscus one. That's good. They're both really good. Yeah. Well, I figured you'd appreciate the hydration sensation of Bang's Vooze. Should rename these Zoda Truths where we go heavy in the Bang, the Bang Bros. We'll probably have to eventually. Also, of note, the Bang Vooze hydration sensation and the Bang Tallboy mixers look very similar. Almost identical. <laughs> you could really confuse <laughs> they these. They really just, they tilted the Bang Bullseye logo like 45 <laughs> A degrees. A little bit. <laughs> for the Vooze. Same color, same general layout. Like, there's definitely an upcoming lawsuit where like a dad gives his kid a Bang Tallboy instead of a Vooze, like the Mike's Hard Lemonade mm -hmm. thing back in the day. Yeah. That's happening. All right. I think all the bangs out of the way going into this episode. <laughs> this is just what the end of 2021 needed. I mean, par for the course, baby. What have you been up to, Griffin? Uh, I just got a truck. I bought a truck right before Christmas. It's a big upgrade. I Christmas gifted myself one. What'd you get? I got a Chevy Colorado ZR2 Bison Edition. A Bison Edition? Yeah. Well, I'd love yeah. to know why it's called that. It's just a trim package. It's oh, got sure. Like fog lights and tow hitches and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, what are you doing with that truck? I drove it to Pennsylvania. Yeah, how did that ride? I logged like a thousand miles on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. It was smooth. Uh, the ZR2 is the Chevy Colorado, uh, their off road edition. Mm -hmm. So it's got like crazy big shocks. It's pretty tall. I'll take you out to see it after this. Ooh, I'd love to. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's taller than me, and it's still a mid-sized truck, so it's it's an interesting combo there. It looked big in the photos. I have not seen it yet. Yeah, but. yeah, it's pretty big, and I'm coming from a <laughs> no longer produced Honda CRZ 
Mm. Which is a two-seat hybrid that I barely fit inside. Yeah, man. Like, I think it went without saying that car was fucking whack. Yeah. <laughs> it had the shape and body and size of like a four-seater, but there were just two seats in there. Yeah, and like odd. It was also like six inches off the ground and roughly three and a half feet tall. <laughs> it was really low. Really low. Mm-hmm. Uh, had about 70 horsepower. <laughs> 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 Felt like I could barely get the highway speed on it. The thing weighed maybe uh, 1,500 pounds. So I got to ask, now that you got this brand new vehicle and half of your two-car garage is taken up with gym stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that in the garage now, or did you kick Haley out? No, I didn't kick Haley out. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it makes more sense that it's in the grass because it's uh, it's never going to get stuck. But That's true. I do have it parked beside the garage, mm-hmm. which I, is probably for the best. I don't know if it would get in to the garage. I don't know. I mean, it I'd, have to, I'd photos, have to do some measurement. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And Haley, like, uses her car. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was the thing. I wasn't too worried about it. I mean, it only gets like 20 miles to the gallon, but mm-hmm. I don't have to go back into work and I'm not going to have to. So Yeah, so like you'll probably log those 20 miles over the next two months, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, shouldn't be too bad. But beyond that, I'm still back on the One Piece train. Mm-hmm. Probably logged another 100 or so episodes. It's been good. Been enjoying it. But a lot of Christmas movies. Yeah, same here. Like, yeah, it's been heavy. I think I saw all of the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies back to back were on. Oh, and I just like couldn't look away. Even Santa Claus versus Jack Frost. Yes, that's oh, the God. third. That's the third. The Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And what's his face? Um, he's in New Girl. Oh, I is is uh, Bernard the Elf. <laughs> So it's really fucking weird. When I saw my folks, we just binged the hell out of Christmas movies, too. What did we see? We saw the Ron Howard slash Jim Carrey Grinch. Mm-hmm. Much more whack than I remembered. Didn't like that there was a love story for the Grinch. Thought that was unnecessary. Um, oh, oh, the the love interest in that is one of the main characters in this other Christmas movie I saw that I didn't know existed. That is Bad Mom's Christmas. Wow. Holy I'm shit. That. Holy shit. <laughs> that movie was ridiculous. And it has, um, it has, I'm so terrible at actresses' names. Uh, she's, she's in Scarlet Witch, but she, and she was in Parks and Rec. She's the, um, oh, um, Angela, or no, Angie. What the fuck was the name of the witch? Was it Angela? Yeah, everyone thinks Angela something. Something like that. Yeah. I, I love her. She's awesome. She's one of the main characters. The main actress from The Good Place is one of the main characters. And then and then there's a third. There's like three families that follow three families. But the moms, one of the moms is the is Jim Carrey's love interest from The oh, Grinch. Wow. I'll tell you what, man. You know, bad boys love us some bad moms. I might have to check that one out. It's actually, it's pretty funny. Yeah? I enjoyed it. Nice. It's it's a bunch of moms going far overboard for Christmas, which you know is true to life, as mm-hmm. as some of us experience this holiday season. Absolutely, yeah. What we saw 
It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, fucking holds up. Incredible. Then me, my brother, and his wife watched a bunch of Lifetime Christmas movies. We saw Holly's Holiday, where a mannequin comes to life and a woman falls in love with it for the holidays. Okay. Christmas in Mississippi. <laughs> oh, no. Then we, um, we did a double feature with that one in Christmas in the Bayou. Different, were they, apparently. Were they very different? Uh, no. <laughs> the, uh, what the hell else did we watch? We watched a whole bunch of them, but it was a good time. It was a pretty relaxing trip. I watched Klaus. The Netflix one. animated Christmas movie, I think mm-hmm. it came out like two years ago, sure. was really good. It tells a story of like Santa before he was Santa, and he's like a woodsman that creates, oh. he like made a bunch of toys, and there's this whole postman subplot that like he starts the Wait whole Santa Wait a thing. second. Is that, that is the plot of Santa Claus is coming to town, the like 60s stop motion thing. Starts with a postman, and it's about Santa and how he gets his magical reindeer and de- delivering the toys. I watched that as well. Okay, yeah. So it sounds like a retelling of that. Kind of. It's like the the postman spurs it on. So yeah, the postman's yeah, trying the to po- start postman. like a, he's start trying to start get mail coming from this far northern town, mm-hmm. and the town's a bunch of shits and they don't send mail. Oh wait, no. He, this- and then he realizes that like. Klaus mm-hmm. has all of these extra toys and he convinces the children to send Klaus uh, letters and Klaus is a big softy so he he like sen- he sends them toys okay maybe inspired by then because this is definitely different it is Santa Claus sneakily delivering toys because Herr Burgermeister Meister Burger yeah, Meister Burger yeah yeah okay so you know you know I, what I, I, I know here okay yeah, okay yeah. so it, yeah it is different it sounds like but Oh, I was excited for a second there. That about it for you? I didn't get to watch my the the year without Santa Claus. Yeah, I which I, I feel like I feel like is something that we should have watched after last week's episode came out. I don't feel like I could watch that with my parents though. Now I would feel dirty. No, knowing what it Get really a means. Reverse winner action going. No, that's all I could think of. No, can't do that. Mm, you're too much. Melting my clutch. <laughs> Melting my clutch. All right. Well, as for me, let's see. I did go back to Chicago. I caught up with a couple friends from back home. Me and my buddy Nick. He doesn't listen to the show. He doesn't give a shit. But um, we went to this awesome brunch place right by Millennium Park. And then we didn't know what to do with the rest of the day. So we saw House of Gucci. Okay. And it was really good. Adam Driver and Lady Gaga deliver incredible performances. It's a Ridley Scott movie dude that did like alien and shit mm-hmm. it's really good i'd recommend it i also saw spider-man the new one i really want to see it griffin i think it was my favorite marvel movie so like that's saying a lot i do a lot of like people marvel. are saying that though so it's it must in- have been incredible killer. i know that you haven't gone back to the movies since we saw cats i just don't want to ruin the experience for me like you know how they say you can't go home mm-hmm. i feel like that's it after after cats for me like mm. I had such a good time in the theaters with cats, and I feel like it just won't be the same. All right. Well, how about this? How about when in the in the front half of 2022, when the Robert Pattinson Batman movie comes out, me and you go see that. We review it for the Zone of Truth. Okay. I'm in. All right. Cool. That's going to be your big triumphant <laughs> return, to triumphant the return to the theaters. Hey, everybody. <laughs> 
Oh, hi, Griffin. He's back. Mm hmm. He's back. Oh, we thought Cats was keeping him away. <laughs> he said he wouldn't be back to the theaters till they released the butthole cut. Still wait. Still wait. And then, besides that, I am obligated to talk about the book of Boba Fett, which was. I saw the, the premiere episode has dropped by the time we're recording this. It was really fucking good. It's a good establishing pilot for the rest of the series. I'm not going to spoil anything because that would be doing a disservice to anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But you know me, guys. You know what I like. You know it's going to be good. <laughs> you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be good. All right. Griffin, a new year is upon us. Yeah. We're talking HLP New Year's resolutions. I'd like to break this out into non-gaming and gaming. Okay. Which one would you rather start with? Um... Let's do non-gaming. All our listeners only care about the gaming one. That's true. We'll just tell them to skip the first 20 minutes of this episode. <laughs> All right. What is your non-gaming 2022 New Year's resolution? I guess you could have more than one if you yeah, want. Yeah, I kind of have more than one, but mm-hmm. got this new truck at the end of the year. I want to take that off-road at some point. Ooh. I think that would be very yeah. fun. That's why I bought the off-road package. Mm-hmm. So I think that'd be fun. I don't know if there's any good off-roading spots up at Hocking Hills or where I would go, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll research it. Yeah, yeah. I'll research it. I want to get proficient in another editing software on my Mac. So I'm thinking of either Logic or Pro Tools. I think there's some stuff in that that's going to speed up our editing process. So I Ooh. want to get good at it because I think that's kind of a bigger bottleneck for us than actually creating content because we have fun and we'll sit and record three episodes in a day but actually editing all of that is where the time crunch comes guess what peek behind the curtain nobody likes doing it it sucks <laughs> it sucks and yet we like four of us do it mm-hmm. <sighs> so I think that's uh, that's another resolution that I have to I have to Fucking turn this around a couple Turn this days, around yeah. basically tomorrow. I'm fucking dreading it. Haley was uh, editing the episode while we were at my parents' house on a <laughs> laptop. <laughs> I just finished the Bestow Curse that comes out tomorrow. So. All right, what else you got? I think fitness-related, I want to get to my 1,500 pounds between bench squat and deadlift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll pretty easily hit that this year because I'm pretty close already. But that's a big number for me, so I'd be, I'd be excited to to hit that maybe work in a little more cardio sure but yeah those are my non-gaming ones nice nice all right well for me non-gaming i don't probably have quite as much well i first want to talk about a fitness goal that i had for 2021 that i did succeed on and then talk about where that's going to lead me in 2022 so i started going to the gym regularly starting in the beginning of september mm-hmm. i'm going three days a week and i've gone three days a week every week since the beginning of September. Very consistent. Nice. I have found that recording what I'm doing and my progress has helped me a lot. But in particular, I started the beginning of September at a base squat weight of 150. And I said, by the end of the year, I want to get to 200. And so I was working towards that. I had a lot of growth really fast because 150 isn't terribly too much weight. And then I was just adding five pounds every two weeks. Mm -hmm. 
And this week I hit 200 hey. right on time. So the system worked. It was slow, incremental, sustained growth. I would like to get that weight to 250 by the end of the year doing the same thing. I don't think that's unattainable. No, certainly not. So that's what I'm, I'm shooting for for my squat weight. And I actually wrote here, this is not just a new year resolution. This is a new rear resolution because I'm working on that dumper. Yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah, summer is dumpy season. Hey, we're getting there. So squat weight going up to 250. I think I can do that. I need to figure out what the rest of my goals are for like the bench and the deadlifts and all the other exercises that I do as well. I'll probably just talk to you about that and figure out what would be reasonable based on what I'm doing and how I've been doing it. But I have found that I've really been enjoying going to the gym and I had actual progress in 2021 and I'm really looking forward to continuing that in 2022. Oh yeah. That's exciting. In 2022, I'd also probably like to get better at playing drums. I got an electronic kit earlier in the year. I mentioned that on the show. I let that go a little bit. Um, once I got a cat who is going crazy in my apartment, he doesn't need me drumming and making a bunch of noise. But I need to get back on there. I want to learn more songs, so I'm going to do that. And that's really it. I usually don't do a whole ton of New Year's resolutions, but I do have a few for gaming. So let's transition over to that. What is your gaming resolution or resolutions for 2022? <sighs> That's tough because we already game so much. You know what I mean? <laughs> it pretty much all has to be show related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of it does. I mean, easy one is I want to finish book five, which will hit probably halfway through the year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's not one that I don't think will hit. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think I want to play more 2E. I always say that. We have been playing a lot more 2E. I uh, think that was one of the goals for 2021, and we definitely achieved that because we play it all the time now. Yeah. And it's very fun. Um, like to be a player more, which I think I'm getting opportunities to already, mm -hmm. um, but in more recorded content, I think. Um, because obviously on the on the main two, I'm running them. But for Linked Legacy, I definitely get to get to play. So yeah. I'm excited to do, spoiler alert, a little bit more of a longer form thing yeah. in the next Linked Legacy. I think Legacy. we're probably going to have to announce that soon, for real. Yeah, we are. Yeah. That's coming up. And that's probably going to be a big chunk of 2022. I think so, yeah. Is that, is that Linked Legacy campaign, which will be very fun. Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe buy more dice. Probably buy some more dice. Just use the code, man. Use the code? Use the code. I always use the code. Good. Code junkie. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I have one. I'm going to get better at virtual tabletops because... Ooh, that's been, a good one. We've been doing some crossover stuff with some folks, and I'd like to actually run some of that because mm -hmm. we have all of the means of doing a stream we did a big stream this past year we have the setup for it we have the setup to do both remote and in person and i think the key to all of that is using a virtual tabletop so the audience can see it right now we've kind of landed on foundry and so just getting more proficient in that i think would allow us to do more of that content and maybe grow the Twitch or 
a lot of shows are like, oh, we want to do more streaming and become more streaming. I don't really see us doing that that much. You know what I mean? Like, I don't either. But what I think streaming would be good for is special event stuff. There are charity drives that Paizo and the larger gaming community do that rely heavily on streaming, which I think we could contribute to. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that. Nice. Well, I've got a few as well. One of the ones that I want, I think it was my goal last year. I just want to re-up it for TTRPGs is to challenge myself with new interesting builds. If I'm coming in with characters, they should be characters that make me do homework ahead of time and learn game mechanics. And I will say for what we are doing coming up, the character that I built really did push me to learn a lot of stuff. Yeah, and you and I are both playing characters that classes have never been played on this show before. Yeah. On anything that we've released as a podcast, at least. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. So, yeah, challenging builds, stuff to flex those mental muscles. I want to read more TTRPG material. So whether that is reading Adventure Pass that we will never, ever play or reading some of the new and upcoming source materials that come out, stuff like Lost Omens Legends, which came out a while ago, or Monsters of Myth, stuff that just fills in little corners of the world that we spend so much time in, I think is really fascinating, and it helps me get immersed in the world to roleplay better. So you want to keep reading and learning. And then one that I think I can achieve soon is that... I want to come back out of this neutral interlude with a lot of enthusiasm for Matumbe and to push that character forward. Because I feel like in the last six or so months, I had a ton of enthusiasm to play Durin. I had a ton of enthusiasm to play Vec Relby. Like, I think about those characters all of the time. And, you know, partially because of this neutral interlude. Like I've put the Matumbe part of my brain on the back burner, but then I thought more about book four in general. And I think I did bring a lot of fun, exciting stuff with the character, but that was mostly driven because of the madnesses and stuff. I didn't really develop the character. I just did funny things with like the librarian or like Mm -hmm. he was evil in Abaddon. Well, I actually want to develop the character further. I want to come back with enthusiasm and push this main character that I have built such a tent pole around even bigger. Oh, it's your book. I'm, hey, vampires are my thing now, so. <laughs> I was worried you'd say that. <laughs> I'm ready for it. So I guess those are my three. I want to read more. I want to challenge myself mechanically. And I want to take my flagship character and keep up the enthusiasm that I've had for the first couple books, bring it back in a big way for five. Nice. So those are all of my things that I wanted to talk about. Are we good with the resolutions and we want to move on to some neutral interlude stuff? Hell yeah. All right. So we haven't recorded anything for a while. The listeners probably don't know. We're done with the neutral interlude. That shit's in the bag. Expect your... uh... Regularly scheduled programming back on episode 180. 180 is the one. I have had a ton of fun. 
Have you enjoyed running the neutral interlude? Oh, so much. Yeah? Yeah. This is my uh, my baby. I always get worried with that kind of stuff because when you're running an adventure path, you can kind of rely on some of the printed material for prep or whatever. And I worry about workload when it's purely homebrew because you got to spend a lot of time thinking and researching, doing homework. Have you found that this is a lot more stressful to do? Well, I guess the first thing I would ask you have you felt like this is put together like an AP book? Yes, I do. I really do feel like this was like an AP book. I don't know if it's maybe quite as long, right. but it definitely has the sort of logical chapter progression that a regular AP book does. Like, I don't know if all of our listening audience reads APs, but they're divided up into different chunks. One leads into the next, into the next, or like they're subdivided. And I feel like this clearly was. It had very logical steps, did not feel railroady. It let us play around a little bit. Honestly, like if I didn't know any better, I would have thought. So a lot of it was conceptualized on the fly. Is that so? Mm-hmm. So like what? Uh, what was in the dungeon rooms? What, uh, you know, the, the three orb thing? Mm-hmm what was in Rags Mauda's library. I came up with that stuff in the moment. Really? Yeah. Oh, dear. Man, you really are shooting from the hip. I, yeah, I'm just... Well, it doesn't... It really didn't seem like it. I know. And, and yeah. <laughs> like, after after I would, I would do something, I would think... Like, when I gave you guys the Orb of Utter Chaos, I was like, oh, you know what I could do? I could... Yeah, I could tie something to the rest of these encounters. What do I use? Well, I'll use other orbs. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, you know, conveniently, I'll just put that in Rags Mauda's notes in her library, which I threw in there because you guys needed a long rest. That's fun as hell. I actually did not know that. So a yeah. lot of this has been on the fly. A lot of this has been uh, because of the input from you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys latched so strongly onto the things, like your theories about the things that were in Rags Mauda's study and like your ideas about what kind of person she was informed what I made the story about her be. Yeah. Because she's kind of a nebulous thing in the actual lore. So you basically heard us be really interested in that and be like, okay, I see you're interested. Let's develop that further. Yeah, like the whole nice. relationship between her and Grey Whirlis and stuff and like Haley being like, oh, the password's probably this. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Of course it is. <laughs> so a lot of it was like, it had a structure. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I definitely had a structure and I had, you know, stat blocks for things that I wanted to include. Like I wanted that Oracle to be in there. I wanted the Magma Dragon to be in there and the the ice devil and that kind of stuff but a lot of it was hey they really latched onto this and thought this was cool i can expand on that or hey this is a trope that i really want to explore because we're doing a pirate thing let's have them get swallowed by a whale Mm -hmm. and so i kind of had time week to week to make it feel more connected yeah but a lot of the ideas for what went into it was like hey, this would be really fun. Hey, that would be really fun. Hey, you know, they're really interested in this. Hey, I know I need to get from here to here. How do I get there? How much did you feel constrained by time? Like, did you ever 
think to yourself, ah, shit, I got to start wrapping this up and cut things out. Or, hey, I got to stretch this out. I'm going to throw a couple more encounters their way. Uh, I didn't feel constrained by time at all because you guys were having fun. Yeah. And because we were getting good feedback from the listeners that could clearly tell you guys were having fun. Mm-hmm. It was like it, it was like a real homebrew campaign, right? It was like, <laughs> these are the things that they're latching onto and having fun with. And because they're having fun with these things, I'm incorporating them into the story to make the story that much more fun for them and more impactful for them. And these combats don't feel like a slog because they're all something that's like really different and really cool. And they're like pulling in this lore that I have like this big high level idea about. Like I did a ton of research before we kicked off the thing. Mm -hmm. And I've been relying on that to kind of tie threads together. Like you found out immediately, like, oh, there's a Hellforge. I bet I know what this is. Yep. That was written in as an idea from me. Mm-hmm. Like that was this is where I want us to eventually go. But like Jabberjaw is a character or something. Like that was like a flavor thing that I threw in that you guys ended up talking to, and then I was like, cool, I'll just like I'll incorporate him here. That's pretty excellent. I like that. And I'm I'm pretty excited too because not to disparage anything else that we've ever done on this network, but this does not feel to me like like a halftime show. I guess is maybe a good way to put it. Like this doesn't feel extraneous to me. All of these characters matter. Things happen in the episodes that we're about to talk about and the episodes that haven't released yet that absolutely matter. Maybe for book five, definitely for book six, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. The big conclusion, there are big things moving and shaking that are not extraneous bullshit. It's we're not just like killing time here. Right. I think that's the important part about this neutral interlude is that it's very interwoven into the main story, even though it is homebrew. And even though you can use some of the tenets of good and fun homebrew within it, it doesn't mean I'm not trying to tether it back to story pillars that I know are what makes it important. Mm-hmm. But like, would this matter if Barlow the Dread was in it? No. Like, that wouldn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Was it cool because he was? Fuck yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, he served a narrative purpose to get us to where we needed to be in a way that informed us about the relationship that Rags Mauda and Nana Opal had. Like, don't discount that either. Like, right. it's could it have been done narratively different? Sure. But like, it was done in a tidy way that told the listener things that they weren't even hearing, right? Right. Barlow the Dread yeah. was a very narratively cool sense motive check. Exactly. You know yeah, what I mean? That, <laughs> yes, that, that is a fantastic mechanical way to put it, yes. All right, so since last we checked in on the neutral interlude on the Zone of Truth, we talked about 169, the belly of the whale fight. So that was in Barlow the Dread. The last one that has dropped is 177. This is the episode with the ritual. We have a lot of ground to cover today. So frankly, I kind of want to speed through these first few just real fast because they happened a long time ago. Just hit some of the story moments and move on. Cool with you, Griffin? Yep. All right. So episode 170, Lifestyles of the Lich and the Famous. What happens in this one? Well, this is the episode where we go into Rags Mauda's little mausoleum 
sanctuary thing. And we find all of these artifacts that are tied to dead civilizations. There's a lot of supposition around the table that maybe she's trying to learn about the afterlife or what happens to people after they die or how other cultures view the afterlife. And we kind of extrapolate, maybe she's trying to get in contact with this former lover. There's a couple important plot points that are laid out by Rags Mauda in this council she holds with our party. She welcomes Anya back to Moon Isle. So this is where it's explicitly stated that Rags Mauda's reach and Moon Isle are one and the same. She explains that Sawyer's soul is contracted to Gunup Tall, the demiplane or layer of hell that belongs to Oz. And Oz wants his soul. He thinks it belongs to him for whatever reason. However, there is an archway here that could take us there. But the Lich, Nana Opal, has taken control over the Lurching Mountain. This is this big old volcano on Ragsmata's Reach and is essentially holding Ragsmata hostage since apparently she can't use the portal. All right, so we need the ability to speak Golgan and a piece of O's, i.e. that effectively means we need Elizabeth Asher to help us with something and we need Sawyer's finger that was taken in episode 111. Rags is revealed to be the one that brought Sawyer back the first time. And she also says something that's very interesting. We're going to hell, but there may be a diplomatic solution with O's to let Sawyer go. O's desires eternal war. Take from that what you want. And Rags talks about wanting to meet her partner in the afterlife. The solution to this may be found in the Whispering Tyrant's Domain. It's a big lore drop episode. Yep. <laughs> I thought I was going to fly through that one, but I did not. Yeah, a lot of lore in that. And I think that's where it, that's where what I just talked about is really cool. It's like, you guys make these assumptions. I know all of the lore behind her, and mm-hmm. I kind of twist it a little bit because it's really fun when you guys are like, you make this assumption and like, hey, that's kind of right. Yeah. Like, that's what, so... Uh, I really liked this one. I liked GMing this one because it was kind of like a puzzle for me to kind of put the pieces of what the lore I knew was together with what I was coming up with on the fly and what you guys were coming up with. And it felt behind the scenes to me really collaborative, even though you guys maybe didn't feel that way. It was uh, unknowingly collaborative, I I guess is a good way to put that. So then we move on to episode 171, Greedy Little Guzzler. We have this chat between Tulia and Durin in the beginning. I talked to Haley beforehand. I was like, hey, our characters don't need to sleep. I kind of want to unload a little bit of lore backstory. So I want to talk to you for a little bit. It's not scripted or anything, but it was one of the ones I thought about my talking points a lot beforehand. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a fun little chat where... I kind of got to explain what my character's headspace was and what he envisions the future looking like. Maybe one day we'll see if that comes to pass. But moving on, Rags Mauda provides a little bit more detail on how to access this archway to get us to Gnatal. And we go out. We are in a swamp. We are attacked by three gator ghouls and one greater gator ghoul. There's lots of dazed. There's lots of paralysis. We have... Durin getting swallowed, it cutting him out. Big fight. Unless there's anything crazy here, I'm just going to keep moving because we got like eight more episodes. Uh, to the only about. interesting thing here is that the Gator Ghoul and Greater Gator Ghoul are all third party. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. They're, they're fun uh, and they didn't look like unbalanced or anything, so I threw them in there. No, I mean, we handled them. It was close, but all of these encounters yeah. are close. Yeah. So 
I honestly, if you didn't tell me, I never would have known. All right. 172 statue of lamentations. We heal up after that really tough fight. And the Gator Ghouls contained a Pearl of Power and Boro Bead. A nice little way for the GM to say, you've got a lot more to go today. Here's some spells <laughs> back. So we get to this statue. Elizabeth Asher speaks, hope arrives in Golgon. The base opens and we have to fight this Cyclopean skeletal champion. What is that thing? Was it actually a skeleton champion with like a Cyclops template or something? Uh, Reverse it. It oh. was a... Um... It was like a greater Cyclops. Mm-hmm. So like the bigger ones with the tusks and stuff. Yeah. And it had the skeletal champion template on it. Nice. And I kind of had to change its stats around because everything with undead is based off of charisma and Cyclopses are not very charismatic. Sure. So I think it dropped the thing's health from like 250 down to like 112. <laughs> it's like really, really drastic because it normally has like a... 32 con mm-hmm. and like a six charisma. <laughs> so the flip there was pretty big. So I had to move its stats around a little bit, but yeah, yeah I, I thought that was going to be a relatively gimme fight, which it was, but kind of cool to see. Hey, and we came away with the orb of utter chaos, which becomes one of the three things that we need that yeah. you did on the fly. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool item. And I was like, Oh, I bet an orb would sit in a Cyclops like yeah. skull. And, and then, I was like, well, I need more orbs. Shit. Need more orbs. All right. So that you got to ponder them. It was, this was right, right before the pondering the orb meme. We didn't even know. Never before have we come far too early on the scene for something to get popular. We have like eight episodes that focus around <laughs> orbs. We say like pondering the orb in like episode 176 or 177. Yeah, I think. I don't think this is revisionist history, but I think. In, yeah, in one of those later episodes, I make like a half-ass attempt at like, oh, I'm going to ponder it. And like, just to feel out if anybody will like caught on and like kind of nobody did. I'm like, oh, I guess this meme's not going to be popular. <laughs> but yeah, we were too early on that one by like two weeks. It's great orb content. It really hit at the right time. Mm-hmm. So... We enter the tunnel. We're going under this volcano and begin a fight against these warmonger devils. Creature I'd never heard about. Pretty badass. It kills one of them, but the other two teleport away. I guess the only thing to do is move on to 173. I think we're about to enter the territory of the biggest unanswered question of the entire neutral interlude. This episode's called The Oracle of One-Eye. Took me way too long to get that pun. It's very yeah, good. Delphi. It's very good. We find this pile of scrap, which is what the warmongers like to party in, down one passage, which seems to be the territory of them. There's a deactivated, or maybe it's out of power, clockwork here. But after some examination, it appears to have been created in Osis Infernal Forge, so we don't trust it. We don't turn it on. What the hell is this thing? It was actually a friendly. I figured it was. I and it was. I be, thought it was because know. I knew you guys had so many combats. Uh-huh. It was around this point where I decided that Ragsmata was going to have like a demi plane. Sure. And so I was going to use the clockwork if you activated it to help you get in there. Mm-hmm. You didn't activate it, so I kind of just like let the password be what you guys yeah. said. But I think it was like a CR eleven clockwork. It's it's like the clockwork mage or something. So would this have 
helped us at all in combat. So yeah. Like, oh, really? Yeah, I would have, I would have given you guys the stat block for it. Um, we really fucked up. Though. But it looked like it was forged in Gunnaptal because it was made of all like metals from Gunnaptal, but it's actually Ragsmauda's like clockwork servant. Damn. Yeah. I know we got some heat on the Discord for spending a lot of time trying to figure it out and then eventually moving. <laughs> just be like, no, we're not doing it. And I thought that might be what you guys would do, just given that you literally just fought devils and I it mean, was that, covered in infernal. That was such a hard thing to walk away from. My heart and my gamer soul wanted to twist that little clockwork thing so bad and spin it up, but. I just couldn't envision any of the four actual characters doing that. Yeah. It just did not make sense. Yeah. So we had to move on. I love that it took it were like five strength checks or something to dig it out too. It was like all this build up for this thing that you guys just, just walk away from. We're gonna pass. <laughs> Alright. This next one is a doozy. So this cavern has lava. The two remaining warmonger devils and some sort of cyclopean oracle we find out pretty quickly that this area is under some sort of unhallowed effect we get hit by this horrid wilting spell which you caught some heat on the discord for throwing that at Lyra. very rude <laughs> but yeah I mean, this was a fucking tough fight yeah it was it spilled over episode to episode we have kill counts from Durin and Tulia taking down warmongers, but we see this oracle start to cast and just can't disrupt her in time before she raises some sort of mummified cyclops. Before we move on to what's going on with that mummified cyclops, remind us what's the deal with this cyclops oracle? I had it in my notes that it was a cyclopean seer. Is that correct? So that's the... That's the archetype of Oracle uh -huh. that it is, and most Cyclops Oracles are, which gives you certain things you get with your mystery and whatever. Yep. But the actual creature was called a Cyclops Grand Eye, so it's a Cyclopean Oracle. Okay. Uh, and by virtue of that, its mystery is Cyclopean Seer, and then it had the half-fiend template. Ooh, I don't think I know what that does. Which is actually where most of its power came from. Sure. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's a very strong template when it's applied to something with like 10 or more hit dice. Mm hmm So the Half Fiend template increases strength by two, dex by two, calm by two, intelligence by two, wisdom by two, charisma by two. Gives you a natural AC modifier of plus one. Um, the defenses so you get dark vision immunity poison acid cold electricity and fire resistance 10 you get dr10 magic and you get spell resistance equal to the creature's cr plus 11 with a Ooh. maximum of 35 so <laughs> that's where this really strong spell resistance was coming in that was really killing you guys uh it gets flight so it gets a good flight speed it gets claw attacks and a bite attack it gets plus four on three ability scores of its choice and a plus two on the other three. And then it gets a shit ton of spell-like abilities. Hard Wilting was one of those. The Unhallow was one of those. It gets Smite Good. Gets Summon Monster 9, which I didn't use. Um, yeah, Thanks. It's, 
It's well, I, I, I was like, okay, that's too strong, and I summoned. That's too I, much. I like, I, I used the summon to more like an animate dead and brought that Goldaco up. Mm-hmm. Just a very strong creature, and its abilities were able to actually augment the Warmonger Devils as well. And besides, like bestow curse, I didn't use a ton of its actual oracle spells. <laughs> <laughs> Just because this, uh, the spell-like abilities are so good. It, yeah, it doesn't seem like you need to. No. No. <laughs> yeah, there's just some really good stuff like that. Unholy Aura was giving like everything a, mm-hmm. a big AC deflection bonus and a resistance bonus to their saves and was giving them power resistance to good spells and spells cast by good creatures. So that's where uh, Lyra was having trouble. All in all strong and then made stronger by the fact that the warmongers teleported to it to allow it to prepare. Yeah. So this one I think is going to be memorable for me just in how difficult it was. It was fun though. I think we recorded them back to back. It was a good time. So let's move into that second episode of the pair. Episode 174, Are You My Mommy? This is a reference of course to your new favorite show Doctor Who. The Goldako appears, combat continues. Goldako, lay it on me. What's going on in that stat block? The one you fought was actually only like a CR-10. Okay. It's an undead. It's like a mummified Cyclops from the Golgon era. Mm-hmm. The cool thing it has, and, and these things were actually in Skulls and Shackles oh, in book four. They were one of the mid-book combats, but it's got this blinding breath, which I was hoping to get you guys with. That's why I like, nuked Ikmer's saves, yeah. hoping to blind him. And even that didn't succeed at a minus eight, Oof. which is ridiculous. It's like a DC 21, so it's not super hard. But other than that, they're just good melee beat sticks. They have like a disease and that kind of stuff. It was not easy throwing that on top of all the other shit we had to deal with, but we made it through. We actually got really close to seeing the death of Lyra exactly 100 episodes after her original death, Yep, which got dicey for a second. I really thought it was going to happen. And I think we might have lost Emily as a friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was a little worried about that too. We talked. <laughs> we talked about it before the episode. Like, wouldn't it be funny? And then it almost happened. And then it like, almost oh, happened. Fuck. So you mentioned it earlier, but it got this curse, which we eventually remove. The room contains a crystal ball of sorts, which itself contains this demiplane where Rags did most of her research. In there, we find instructions to reach the Forge of Gunnaptal, closest domain where Sawyer is. You'll need to use skills to reach there. Effectively, we need to do a ritual and fight a Guardian of the Realm. We have some ability score upgrades for the team in the form of some books, and the team actually levels up, which outpaces the original party now, Mm -hmm. which is a huge surprise for me. I think I made a joke about having like level up beer or something. You are, yeah, you did. At the, I think at the start of the episode, yes. you made a joke about it. Yes. And because of the time difference now, mm-hmm. there's a gap between this party and where the main party will be. If you want to like meet back up with the main party, you're going to have to be 12 at this point because sure. the main party will have reached level 12 if they survive. So at this point, effectively... We've got like a Fast and Furious situation where these episodes take place in the future. Yeah. And then when we pick back up with the original party in 180, that's kind of in the past. You're like a couple weeks. You're like two or three weeks ago, right? Sure, sure. Makes sense to me. Then we've got, all right, we've got episode 175, Magma Cum Laude. We've got Tulia and Elizabeth Asher researching the ritual and Gun Up Tall. 
Apparently the gate is powered by three orbs, which we've talked about. We leave the demiplane and begin searching for the other two orbs, which we are missing. Find a secret tunnel, which leads to a lava waterfall. We converse with this magma dragon. And here's the deal. It had an agreement with rags. We make a further agreement with it. We basically do a deal. She did research there in return for giving him magical items. He's going to let us continue and use his luck stone if we give him Anya's soul as collateral. This was a diplomatic solution to this particular encounter. Griff, let's talk about what a magma dragon is. What would have happened if diplomacy failed? Yeah, this was a mature adult magma dragon. Mm -hmm. So it's... I mean, it's, it's a dragon. It's like it's all, all of its attacks are at like a plus twenty-five. What's the CR on this thing? It's a CR thirteen, so it's okay. not. Well, I, I put the advanced template on it, so it would have been like a fourteen. Mm -hmm. But it's got a lot of fire attacks. So if you guys didn't have protection from energy or resist energy, that would have hurt. Uh, it's mm -hmm. got its own spell resistance at like a twenty-four. So again, a difficult thing for your yeah. Casters. You're at about a fifty-fifty. Now, you would have Maybe been hitting it with your bombs. It's got a 10-touch AC. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just picked up fast bombs, too. Yeah. Six levels too late. Yeah, I just I, I think it would have been a really big party resource drain. Mm -hmm. And it's got some DR. It's got blind sense. You know, its breath weapon is 14d6 fire. It's probably achievable. It would have been achievable, especially since you guys leveled up. It's just if you think about that plus the ice devil that you needed for the yes. other orb and then you know where you go after that i think we would have had a couple of deaths had you not diplomatically solved this that, that's kind of where i was going i think we could have done it but then i think we would have been in a position where we would have burned up some stuff that we needed that took us through the next fight so i think you would have seen a 176 that looked a lot different yeah because it was already bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real bad. <laughs> so, you know, it. yeah, it's just a, it's a dragon. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a true dragon. And at a CR 14, it's not an easy fight at level 12. And it's in its domain. Mm -hmm. So it can like swim under the lava, yeah. or the magma and that kind of thing. So uh, it's just tough. Like if it grabs you and takes you into the lava, it's death. Lights out. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that would have been pretty difficult. I'm glad it didn't happen because episode 176, Cold Day in Hell. Oh, well, actually, I didn't even talk about the lead up. So let me rewind for a second. We are moving on to find the Orb of Storms. We find this room where we see the guy that we've been chasing this entire time, Sawyer. He's working at a forge, but it's really cold, which is strange for a forge. The path behind us fills with ice and two bone devils appear. So that leads us into 176. And we begin this fight against the two bone devils. A few of us had tried to interact with Sawyer. I threw a rock at him. We had some diplomacy checks, I think, and he was non-cooperative. So we begin this fight. Tulia is dimensionally anchored. This illusion of Sawyer is revealed to actually be an ice devil. So this one I was actually pretty interested in. I don't know a lot about the hierarchy of devils. Mm -hmm. Was there some sort of lore background here where 
this ice devil is controlling bone devils. What was going on with the three of them together? So the ice devil could actually summon bone devils. Oh, so they were summons. Yeah, they were summoned creatures. And the ice devil has this major image mm-hmm. that it used to project Sawyer to you guys, which allowed it to hide itself. And you guys interacted with the image, but none of you succeeded the will save. Right. So while you were getting very suspicious about what it was, your characters, while they might have been suspicious, didn't actually see through the illusion. And so, yeah, it it has at will wall of ice. Mm -hmm. It ices you in from this position of pretty much hiddenness, even with the invisibility purge. Yeah. And, And then it summons the bone devils. So you have something else to focus on. But it's a CR 13... And again, I think I, I might have advanced template in this one, but even without it, the Bone Devils are CR 11 each. So it's a pretty tough fight. But yeah, in the hierarchy of Devils, an Ice Devil or a Glugon or whatever their actual mm-hmm. name is are more powerful, Yeah, which is why they can summon the Bone Devils. This one was... This one was maybe the toughest we had come up against. So the proof's in the pudding there. I mean, we all were down except for Ikmer. He had to save the day at the end, but we were struggling hard. Yeah, I think the failures on that image played a part. Mm-hmm. It gave me a lot more time to set up. Uh, and the Atwell Cone of Cold is really tough, especially when you have a relatively intelligent, like 25 intelligence devil mm-hmm. looking at a party with a big tin can fighter and being like, I need to throw cones at these guys because I'm not going to be able to hit. He's only attacking at like a plus 20 something. So misses Ikmer most of the time. Yeah. On his first attack, (laughs) you know, (laughs) forget the rest of them without a 20. So, uh, he's got spell resistance as well. You know, immune to most of the elements resists acid. It's interesting because you have all this fire, so it's a nice kind of subversion of what you guys were ready for. And I think it it eventually makes sense why it's there. You'll have to listen, listeners, to the next mm-hmm. couple of episodes. But it's really cool because had it actually hit, it's got this slow effect on its weapon, kind of as you freeze up. Oh, I don't think we saw this, did we? No. Oh, t- yeah, tell me about it. It uh, hit from the Ice Devil's tail or spear, induces numbing cold. The opponent must succeed on a DC 23 fortitude save or be affected as though by the slow spell for 1d6 rounds. So I thought that would be pretty powerful if I could get it off because mm-hmm. slow sucks. Yeah. And that, that really keeps you guys from hammering it with a bunch of things. Yeah. I also like the way that different types of devils look startlingly different. Yeah, I mean, this one looks like a big kind of praying mantis type thing. Yeah, like, I always assume or going into my start of playing Pathfinder, I always assume the different types of devils were just different, like, flavored traditional, like... Pitchfork horns. Yeah, pitchfork horns, hooves, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. No, they're like shockingly different from each other yeah and these are very interesting looking variants of them yeah. so put pretty, that in your head pretty cool creature yeah and its ability to summon just made it a lot more difficult yes all right so everybody goes down except ikmer 
who kills the final bone devil and the ice devil, finally fucking hitting after all combat of rolling trash. Yeah. But everybody does survive. And we move into episode 177, the most current episode, Reverse Winter. It's one of those ones where it's named named after something that uh, does not happen in the episode. You but you reverse winter by killing <laughs> Ice Devil. Well, I, I guess, fair enough. Re- winter was reversed. Oof. You no. went somewhere hot. That's the opposite of winter. <laughs> Certainly not Ice Miser bottoming for someone. I mean, hey, we're we're headed to Southtown, USA in this episode because we're meeting back up with the Magma Dragon. Very hot. He gives us the Lux Stone. We trade out Anya's soul for that, at least temporarily. And then it is ritual time. So, Griffin, I got a couple questions about the ritual. Where did this come from? Is this a reskinned ritual that you found? Did you make this up? It's definitely a reskinned ritual. There's a ritual in Tyrant's Grasp called Untangle Ley Lines. Oh, okay. Which is like there's a knot of ley lines that you have to like detangle to access the first world or something. And I thought, hey, what is a tangled knot of ley lines but an old-timey, like, tumbler for a vault? Oh, that's cool. So I, nice. I reskinned the checks for that mm-hmm. and obviously changed the flavor of how the ritual was happening. And we needed the ritual to tie into the Blood of O's. So you had the incense that you burnt with, like, ground-up sawfinger mm-hmm. and all that. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a relatively difficult ritual. I think it's in book five or six of Tyrant's Grasp. It's a ritual level nine, but I lowered the DCs because of that, because it was, I mean, originally like DC 35 for everything, which seemed too difficult for this group. Like, I've got a great disabled device. It's at like a 22 with heroism. but it could barely hit that. Yeah, I'm having a tough time hitting that. Jesus. All right, so this is a reskin Tyrant's Grasp Ritual. How successful were we? You were, I think, five of nine. And what are the levels of success? Is there a special reward for getting eight or nine? Is there a terrible thing that happens if we don't hit? If you don't succeed, there's a bad thing that happens. It's like a targeted finger of death. Mm Mm-hmm. So it probably would have killed Tulia. It targets the primary caster. Mm -hmm. But there's no level to it, which actually kind of surprised me too, because we've done rituals in home games before, and uh, it surprised me to think that there weren't any levels to it. It's kind of just, if you succeed, this is what happens. If you Mm -hmm. fail, this is what happens. There's no, hey, you succeeded all nine. You would think in that case the backlash effect wouldn't happen. Yeah. But it still happens, which was the negative level you all took. Yeah. Great. How many did we need to succeed? You needed five. You got five. Got five. Yeah, I think you had two failures on the perception checks. There was one failure on... I know I at least failed a a disabled device. There was one failure on the disabled device, and there was one failure on something Tulia did. Um, So, and it's tough because I I think the DC was around 30. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely not a gimme. We yeah. we were putting our best foots forward. Like, yeah. the, it was not a gimme, but we did make it through. We entered the realm of Gunnaptal, and there's some sort of strange undead armor creature that arises. We're in a massive forge. Observing us is Os himself on a throne. Credits. See you next week for 178, which I think I can say this is a barn burner. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hey, guys, the neutral interlude combats have been hard. So's this one. <laughs> Would you believe it? Yep. So 178 in the can. Difficult combat coming up. And then I won't say what 179 is. But that is the finale, uh, the neutral interlude. And then we're back to regular scheduled programming on 180. Oh, yeah. Well, we did it. Griffin, I got some listener questions for us, but is there anything else from this extensive string of episodes that you wanted to bring up before we moved on? This is your chance. I think we've about covered it. <laughs> I think so, too. I'm sure at some point in the Zone of Truth, we'll have an opportunity to talk about 178 and 179. I think they weren't talking about it. But now is not the time. We've got listener questions. Time to answer them. So first one comes from our buddy Jason. If you had to fight another undead opponent that started life as a massive undersea creature, what would it be? You got one, Griff? Yeah, I think a lich abolith would be cool. Oh, boy. That'd be a crazy encounter, right? Yeah, that'd be crazy as shit. Yeah. So that. I wonder if that exists or something close to that exists somewhere in one of the more Oslant slanted. There probably is. I mean, there was so, that, right? there was that, um, small spoilers for return of the rune Lords. There was that undead Maga or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we fought. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was cool as shit. So there's probably something like that. So I didn't go quite that direction with my answer. Sure. Goldfish grow forever. <laughs> Massive undead goldfish. I don't know if it gets turned undead when it's small and then grows or just has been in a contained area long enough where there's no predators to take it out and it just keeps growing. But yes, I want a goldfish that just keeps growing and growing and growing until it's a massive creature and then it's undead and like disgusting and decaying underwater, but it's a goldfish. I think that would be that fun. That would be the best setup. Fuck. If that was like an island. Okay. Like the island is like the back of this massive undead goldfish. Oh god. And it's just like you can just smell it rotting. Yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know what you do on that. I don't, I don't know either, but the climax of that arc has to be like it exploding like one of those bloated whales. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that's that's interesting. I would say that, yeah, if no matter if it's the Lich Abolith or my undead goldfish, I think however the encounter ends, it explodes with the decaying gas that's built up in it. Yeah. I think whatever creature this is, has to have that like suicide bomber-esque 
thing that some creatures have. Like when you kill them, they explode. So that brings up a great question. Okay, go ahead. As long as it's not like a skeleton. Mm -hmm. And if it's a skeleton, there's a different set of questions. Yep. But because it's decaying and it's a corpse, it can't sink. It has to float. So it'd have to be an island. Yeah, it wouldn't be able to sink down because it'd be full of gases. That's mm. how dead bodies work. Yeah. Whether they're aquatic or not, they float to the surface. Wow. And counter to that, if it is skeletal, doesn't it have to sink? It's got I no webbing you, or flesh to you propel just, it. You just blew the logic out of so many Pathfinder encounters right there. Yeah, I would argue it's under the effects of like water walk where Boy, it just see. shoots to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. I don't know enough about biology, but that stuff checks out. Should float. Yeah. And if there's nothing to float, it should sink. I don't know. Well, you gotta attach weights to it. <laughs> it's a lich abolith with like a bunch of barbells attached to it. <laughs> it's it's, it's from got, sinking, got like buckshot. It loads buckshot into a bucket if it needs to lower. <laughs> pours some out if it needs to lift. I love that. <laughs> All right. We have a next question here from Exa Salty Leavings Becarial. Great name. Which of the neutral interlude PCs is most likely to engage in consensual cannibalism? I don't know. <laughs> we don't have an air bear. Yeah. <sighs> you don't have somebody with like the ghoul corruption. No. That's tough. Are you, I mean, are you including Anya and I guess Anya is not really a PC, right? No. Yeah. I think you could make a case there, but no, we're talking PCs. I only got four of them. I mean, like maybe, maybe if like it had like a really violent transformation and lost control, yeah. but then that's not what a consensual cannibal is. Yeah, it He's, doesn't make it consensual. And yeah. what, what does make it? Like, is it consensual in the sense that, like, I'm willingly ingesting human flesh? Or are you saying, like... I'm eating human flesh that has been willingly given to me by the person who's giving. Yeah. I guess... Because I... It's the word consensual there that really... I think me. Tulia yeah. probably would have done anything to survive in Abaddon. Mm -hmm. And there's probably limited supplies of, like, actual mortal food there yeah so she might be the most likely to have encountered it mm -hmm. i mean lyra's kind of fucked up this music lyra might have been like force-fed people by her captors but that's well, not right, consensual that, on that either takes, side i think i think the like tulia for me if it's consensual in the sense that like okay, I know I'm doing this and I'm doing it willingly. She might have done it to survive in Abaddon. I also could see Abaddon having some like really fucked up weird like flesh farm thing going yeah. on where like yeah. some sort of disgusting creature 
grows and lets people cut parts of it off. Like, am I am I saying she was treated particularly poorly in Abaddon? No, that's not what I'm saying because clearly Lopsock has like a soft spot for her or something. But if she was like one of the normal, like mortal slaves that are kind of tortured there, yeah, I could definitely see that having happened. Yeah. I think I agree. That's kind of where my head was going to. Like, Durin, no way. No. Uh, Ikmer, like, consensually, no way. Mm-hmm. Lyra, depends how messed up she got, but probably not. Tulia would not under normal circumstances, but might have to survive. She's been around a long time. Yeah. I would say probably not, but that's the only one you can really make the argument for. Yeah. It's like the only one where I think the circumstances might have been there where she had to. Yes. He has another question for us. Was Durin's name inspired by Durin from Tolkien's Legendarium? No. (laughs) I wish it were, because that would be a really cool deep cut. But alas, no. The only thing that is inspired about Durin Rook's name is the last name Rook, which is the same last name as a character in Rogue One, which is my favorite Star Wars movie. So... I started there the with the name of Rook, which was actually the name of my alchemist that I played for a one-shot like five years ago. That got me excited about alchemists. And when I brought the alchemist back as an idea of a character that I wanted to play, I was like, oh, this would be a nice tribute to myself. Use the last name Rook. What sounds cool before that? I don't know. Think about it for a while. And I don't know. Durin Rook just sounded cool. I liked that. The way it felt on the tongue, I guess. Most of my names have some sort of tie to something, but this time, the first name I pulled out of thin air. The last name is the one that was important. Our last question for the night, Griffin, comes again from Jason. What would you choose as your lich phylactery? This is a tough one. It is a tough one. I'm having deja vu because this has been on the list a couple times, but we haven't gotten to it. This has been on the list for about five or six Zona Truths in a row. Yeah. Now, I had a couple ideas. You might want to go with something that is not easily destroyable, like a block of lead or something. Or what is an item but a sum of its parts? So like if your phylactery was like, a car or a Lego set, like, could you not take that into many different pieces and scatter them like Voldemort style? I don't know. Yeah, that kind of begs the question, can you have more than one phylactery? Mm -hmm. Which implies that you could split the soul Voldemort style. And I don't know that in lore that's the case. Although you have things like the Whispering Tyrant that were you know, nearly impossible to kill. And Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily because his phylactery was super strong. It's warded more so than that. Sure. So I guess if we establish the rules, then I think I could answer the question better, right? So if we're saying we can't split, then I'm not going to do the Lego set that I could scatter all over the globe. I mean, like a block of lead or something is just a boring answer, though. Yeah, it's boring, but practical. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, it's... what about? Yeah, you don't want anything that would be like biodegradable. But then at some point you're gonna wanna die, so it has to be destroyable in some way. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that theoretically you might wanna die. Maybe I don't know. I kind of like, you know, what's been going on lately. It's interesting because like with a character like Rags Malda, mm-hmm. like sometimes the lich lichdom thing can happen to you instead of you choosing to do the ritual. There are things in the world that can do that to you. Mm-hmm. I think it would really depend on what base class I was. <laughs> <Come on>. Like, <laughs> like would it, wouldn't it be cool if if you were a, like a neutral evil druid or something mm-hmm. to kind of like place your phylactery like have your phylactery be a part of like a grove of trees or something like the one dead tree that'd be cool thematic I mean real world my phylactery would probably be like a set of dice like a d20 pretty good yeah pretty good if we're gonna have phylactery I think mine would be this can of bang voos now, is it the liquid or the aluminum can? Who knows? <laughs> can you have a consumable phylactery? Great question. Like, this brisket I made is my phylactery now. Hmm. Well, then if you're... So you're a lich. So you would have to eat the brisket, and it would just be sitting in your gut for all of eternity. Maybe, but like, doesn't it? But then, it would, if it's something that can decay, then wouldn't it eventually cease to be? Yeah, you. I guess you would just die. Not or does your or is your soul released and it finds a new? Hmm. Usually, you need to destroy the phylactery to destroy the soul. Right. Well, is that a case where the phylactery destroys itself? Yeah. Natural decomposition. I guess. I guess yes. Hmm. But what isn't destroyed by the heat death of the universe? <laughs> Little did I know that we'd get real dark on this final <laughs> question of Zone of Truth. Yeah, that's a, yeah. it's an interesting question. There's definitely things to take into account. Like, liches are different, right? Some like to carry their phylactery on them. Mm-hmm. Some like to hide it and ward it. Some like to, you know, sink it to the bottom of the ocean or whatever. So it kind of depends, like, it, it obviously in-world is completely varied, although a lot of them just make their spell book it or something. Yeah. It feels like that'd be pretty easy to destroy. All right, well, mine'll just be the copy of Twilight I own, so that's mine. Nice. Cool. All right. Did you have one? Like, yeah. brisket then? <laughs> Oh, I, I said I said like a D twenty or something. All right, D twenty, cool. I got a D twenty made from my one of my own bones. <laughs> Why don't you just down a bone? Well, I mean, you know, how much how much need do I have for a femur when I'm a lich? Hmm. I guess you just replace it with like a metal one or something. Ooh, what if you put it in like a clockwork? Can you do that? That'd be sick. Ghost in the machine. In modern day, could the could the internet be your phylactery? I'm gonna say yes. Could you upload yourself to the cloud? 
I think um, that means my, my phylactery is going to be my avatar and bitmoji. <laughs> my phylactery is an NFT? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. We solved it. Phylacteries are NFTs. That's what it is. All right. We're wrapping this episode up. It's been grand chilling with you, Griffin, but we got to move on. So thank you all for tuning in. Anything we need to plug at the end? I don't really think so. No, I don't think so either. No. All right. Oh, you know what? Um, this will be out after this event actually takes place, but I'm guest starring on a stream that takes place on the 2nd of January for Jasper's Game Day. It is a charity stream to promote uh, mental health. And I am guesting with uh, Pot Against the Machine. It's a cool Pathfinder podcast that's running Iron Gods in 1E. It's going to be super cool, but it will have already happened. So if you haven't seen it the day it released, I'm sure they're going to have it on their Twitch or whatever. It was hosted on official Paizo, so it's out there somewhere. You can find it. And we're all recording the audio, so you can find that eventually on their podcast feed sometime in the future. I don't know when. So check it out. It'll be fun. And if you can't find it, it's not our fault. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um... Griff, anything you want to say to the people at home before we take off? Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.